Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. In this week's episode, I'm talking with Chris from Last Shot Distilling. Well, I'm thrilled to have Chris in the podcast. It's a long time coming. Um, I've met Chris a couple times in the past, and we've talked before. But And I've always had at the back of my mind that I wanted to have him on the podcast. So I'm thrilled that finally getting, getting him here in the studio. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great timing, you know, because as I've talked about on the podcast before and on social media, like I've gone through my, my, you know, bourbon phase in life. I've started my bourbon phase in life, maybe. I've talked before about how I got into bourbon, you know, last year and almost immediately just started to fall victim for the allocated hunts, which I'm still falling victim for that now. Um, you know, there's certain bottles of the allocated stuff that I just want on my bar. One of them is a bottle of E.H. Taylor Bonded and Bond that I just haven't found out there in the wild yet. Um, but so, I've, so I so I spent a lot of time just out there bourbon hunting. And then around Christmas, I kind of had the snap realization that I should be spending more time focusing on the local um, distillers here in New York State who are producing exceptional whiskeys and bourbons and liqueurs, um, you know, vodkas and whatever, uh, rather than focusing on the mass produced thing. And so, yeah, and that's kind of what led me to reach out to Chris to be on the podcast when I did. And I'm thrilled that, that he could come on because it's a perfect example of, of kind of my, my thought with this. And that is we have this guy who is operating in skinny Atlas, New York, who, um, you know, went on the show Master Distiller and won and is just producing ex really exceptional products who's getting them uh, reviewed and rated and constantly scoring them high. And so anyways, I was just thrilled to have him on the podcast uh, today. And I hope you enjoy the conversation that we had. Um, it's coming out a little late. Today's Wednesday. I'm recording the intro about to put the podcast out there to the world. We're so incredibly busy here at Eat Local New York, and that's a great thing. You know, I've talked about this a lot in the past. We have our, our we have a few different sides to the business here. We've got our, our content creation and marketing side of the business where we handle content and social media for other businesses, and that, that side of things is going really well right now. Um, we have our something that we just started this year, and that's kind of our influencer side, so... You know, restaurants will and businesses will pay us to come in and make a video and post about them on our channel, which is great because, you know, we've built this following and it's awesome to kind of be recognized as an authority on that. So we've been doing a lot of work with that um, and just so much more. I know I've talked about it in the past, but we officially, I officially announced it yesterday that I've started um, or starting the Salt City Food Tours business and you know, when I, 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 when I, whenever I go to like other cities, I always look at the things that they have to offer for their food scene, and I get jealous when I see things that Syracuse doesn't have. You know, especially things that are cool. And one of those things has always been food tours. Especially major cities have them in, in stride, but um, even places like Rochester have a couple. Buffalo has a couple. And um, anyway, so I always look at these and I'm like, well, this is something that we could bring back. I mean, Syracuse is, you know, possibly never going to be this major tourist attraction like, you know, a huge, like, a, like a Buffalo, New York, for example. We don't have a professional sports team. I don't think we ever will uh, unless there's some miracle. Um, 
you know, and so what do people come to Syracuse for? Well, you know, athletics and education because of uh, Syracuse University and in part ESF and Lemoyne. Um, maybe they're going to come for music, you know, from like the immediate areas because um, we have things like the Lakeview Amphitheater now and, and, you know, some of the bigger concerts at the Dome. Um, and so we have stuff like that, but we, we, we don't have those things that like make people just want to plan. A, I don't know of many people who are like, hey, let's go vacation to Syracuse when they've never been here before. Maybe they're going to like the Finger Lakes, Skinny Atlas, stuff like that. But I don't think there's many people who are like, let's go take a week off and go to Syracuse. Um, and I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but maybe we will, who knows, but there's still a lot of tourists coming into Syracuse, whether it's, you know, like I said, mentioned for all those things I just did, they're coming in for the fair. Um, maybe it's businesses, you know, business company, you know, companies and business owners, uh, coming in for trips or looking to, you know, set up shop here in Syracuse, you know, now that this whole Micron thing is happening, whatever the case is. I wanted to have something that could um, really showcase the food scene. And so I decided we don't have a food tour here in Syracuse. So we decided to start one. And I'm excited for it. We're doing a friends and family tour this Saturday. And then we're going to kick off our first paid tour the week after that. I don't really know what to expect for the business. You know, it's a, very, it's a strictly seasonal business. And uh, it's a, been a lot of work to get to the place that we're at today. Um, just coordinating with the restaurants alone has taken so much time and effort. Uh, but I'm thrilled to finally be launching it and excited to announce it here on the podcast. So if you want to follow us along, you can visit that website online at, at saltcityfoodtours.com or over on Instagram, same thing, Salt City Food Tours. Uh, well, I do want to talk about our sponsor, and that is Brown Carbonic. They have been such a great company to have here on the podcast as our sponsor. Um, you know, I know I've, I've told the story before, but I think it really, for those of you who may not have heard it, it really does just hammer home the values of the company. And Sean's a listener here on the podcast, and a couple months ago I put out that we were looking for sponsors, which we still are, and Sean immediately sent me an email and said, let's do it. And um, I think that, that speaks volumes for the, the values that a company has in their local community. And so... Um, Brown Carbonic is a family-owned and operated business here in Syracuse, been operating for decades, and they offer such a wide variety of products in you know, the, the beverage world that your business needs. But really, specifically, the things that they can help, you know, that they really, I mean, they excel at everything, but the specific things that we want to push, let me talk about that. Uh, if, you're, if you have a draft beer system and you're using your nitrogen, CO2, they are the company to go, go to no matter what. Uh, you know, Brown Carbonic handles so many local breweries and restaurants for their draft beer systems. Another big thing that they offer is their Challenger Cola, which is, you know, an, an alternative to Coke or Pepsi. If you want to support a local company, and that's something that not a lot of people, I think, know uh, that it exists. You know, if you're a local business owner, a restaurant owner, and you're saying, all right, I want to I buy local as much as possible, but I have to offer soda on my menu, what do I do? Well, Brown Carbonic and their Challenger Cola is the really your 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 other option to support local, keep everything local here in Central New York, and still offer sodas and colas to your customers. So, anyways, uh, I want you to give them a call. Their number is three one five four five four three five nine one. That's four five four three five nine one. Great local company, 
Um, there's so many more things that they do that I'm not mentioning, but give them a call. And uh, yeah, it's been great, 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 great having Brown Carbonic here as a sponsor and um, and having their support for local business. So, all right, without further ado, let's get into my conversation this week's podcast with Chris from Last Shot Distilling. But sometime around uh, December, around Christmas, I was finding like I, I won a raffle of Stag Junior. I bought, I found a bottle of Blantons for cheap. I got somebody gave me a bottle of Blantons, right? And I don't know, or and that, but then somebody turned me on to Springbrook, uh, their Adirondack High Rye, right? And at that, when I had that, I was it just something clicked, and I was like, there's no other area of food where I would seek after or think the mass-produced thing is better. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go to McDonald's and say it's a better cheeseburger than a local place, right? Right, right, right. So why am I doing that with bourbon? You know, why am I not seeking after, like, going to try and find the local guys that are right. doing a really great job? A lot of times with um, the guy from uh, Does My Reviews, uh-huh. My Spirits Review, he was telling me he liked to try, you know, taste the local guys. But he said, when you go against the big industry guys, they're good, mm-hmm. but they're not really fine-tuning their bourbons. Yeah. So the craft bourbon producers, we can really dial it down to the flavor profile you want. Yeah. So it's 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 really good. It's just, um, but my the guy that does my reviews says, I notice a difference on yours because huh. you're a chef. Yeah. You know, the, the palate, you know, the this and that. So I said, okay, whatever. Yeah. So, but, but he wrote that in, in his reviews. That, you know, because of chef and discipline with flavor profiles and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. That's awesome. So how did you get, I mean, I'm curious about a lot of things with you, but how did you first get into distilling and getting into, like, to open up Last Shot? So <clears throat> I've been, when I, um, I'm a chef by trade. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of pastry chef, you know, a lot of baker. Um, I was a baker. For years, my dad was a master baker. My brother's a master baker. Huh. So fermentation and working with yeast is kind of like in my DNA. Hmm. You know, so we've been doing that from, from a very young age. Um, when I moved up here, um, when I was younger, of course, we drank too much. <laughs> you know, we're out of control. So I quit drinking for years. Oh, wow. And then um, when I moved, uh, when I, re- I worked up here in uh, as a chef at... Uh, Savannah Dew. It was uh, Bob Conjol's uh, conference center, lodge. Mm-hmm. And we made, the chefs, we made beer. Mm. So when we made beer, one of the chefs that I was uh, getting acclimated to the location, um, the shop, he, uh, him and his dad had a brandy distillery. Mm. So he told me, and I would work with him, and he would tell me, hey, chef, um, why don't you open a distillery, mm. you know, instead of a open up a bakery for retirement down the road. Yeah. So, I, you know, I I thought about it, and I said, I don't know, you know, opening another business again. Hmm. And um, But going back and thinking about restaurants, and there's a lot of waste, you know, a lot of energy going out with a lot of the food. And at the end of the day, when you, you know, dumping or getting rid of food or whatever, to me, it was disturbing. Mm. You know, a lot of energy, you're, you're, what you're doing, and then you just throw it away. So um, 
we were in the pro- we were making beers and a lot of good beers at the, the lodge, and so I went over and visited their distillery, hmm. and then that started the juices going. They yeah. said, "Wow!" I should. So I googled, you know, how to make a still and stuff like that. Um, then I experimented. I worked. I went out to his place and you know stayed, spend the day. Yeah. And I said, I think I want to do this, hmm. and uh, because there's no waste. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. All my byproducts, I give it to the farmers, and you know mm-hmm. they feed the cows and pigs, and so there's really no waste. And so, and the uh, the longer the whiskey sits, the better it is. Yeah. So I said, wow, that's pretty good, but uh, I didn't know what the journey was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, um, 2013 was that that when we did that, mm-hmm. and then 2015 I opened the distillery. That's wild. Yeah. So um, you're so you're from Hawaii, correct? Originally, right? Yes, I am. When did you and how did you come to Syracuse, New York, <laughs> from freaking Hawaii? And what is wrong with you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, that's when I. Um, a lot of people come to the shop. They say, "Where are you from?" I say, "I'm from Hawaii." He says, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> same question, same answer. Well, my wife um, was a student in Hawaii. Okay. And uh, we were friends, and then. Um, she moved back here to New York. She's from New York. Okay. And then um, my friend said, wow, I, I saw a little spark there. <laughs> so they invited her back and got her a job oh, in wow. Hawaii. And then when she came back, I said, hey, you know, you're back. And so we, then we, you know, dated for a while. And then uh, her contract was up and she was coming back <laughs> to New York. And I was kind of like, hey, um, I'm going to lose my best friend. Hmm. She was actually my best friend. Yeah. And I says, do you want to get married? And she says, yeah. I said, oops. <laughs> so, but you know what? Uh, it's been, you know, a long time, you know. That is the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it's, it's, but you know what? She's still my best friend. Yeah. You know, so it's really cool. Yep. That's awesome. What part of Hawaii were you from? Uh, from Honolulu. Okay. Uh, New York City, we coconut trees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I was a chef there. I was a uh, executive pastry chef. Um, I worked at the Hiltons. I worked at a uh, Japanese corporation, Mm -hmm. and I ran a lot of their hotels. Okay, out there. Yeah. We. um, So what year was it that you moved? That you moved here? We moved in 1990. So the funny part is, moved. You know, when we would visit, Mm. um, you know, before we moved, you know. They bring me up here during the summertime. Mm-hmm. So of course, <laughs> summertime is beautiful. It's just like Hawaii, and we we um, we decided to come up, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, there are some crazy things going on. You know, yeah. I got into a car accident, and okay. I was I couldn't work two full time jobs, yeah, or full time and part time to support living there. It's yeah. so expensive, and so we moved up here. Um, and stayed with her parents because when we had our children, she wanted, they didn't have grandchildren on this side. Mm. So um, so we moved back. And uh, when we bought our house in 93, mm-hmm. my experience with snow, <laughs> you know, 92, 91, 92 was really mild winter. Yeah. When it came to 93, um, one morning I opened the garage. 
I looked, I had snow drift all the way up to the ceiling of my garage. I said, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> but they didn't show me how to get to the airport. So I couldn't <laughs> run away. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. My, my wife and I took our honeymoon into Hawaii. And, oh, awesome. Uh, we were there for 10 days. We were on the big island for five. Mm-hmm. And then we were in um, Oahu for five. And yeah. we spent a couple of days in Honolulu. We went to spend a couple of days up on the North Shore. Yep. And uh, I I mean. That's where we lived in the North Shore. Oh, really? Yep. yep. I mean, I who doesn't love, you know, going to Hawaii, right? But, oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, of course, you know, I'm always, I, when we're there, I'm like, we should move here. Why don't we move here? Let's move here. And my wife would never, ever, ever, ever in a million years move there. But uh, oh yeah, it's paradise. It really yeah. is. It's it's. But only thing uh, when we were, you know, a young family. Yeah. We had to make ends meet. Yeah. So you really, really didn't enjoy mm-hmm. the paradise, right? When you vacation, it's really pretty. For sure. You know, it's like wow, I could live here, but you're in the grind every day, twenty four seven. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. My um uh, the, the the bartender that we had, so we st- when we were in Honolulu we stayed at one of the Hiltons that was close to Waikiki uh-huh. right there Hilton uh, Wine Village yeah yeah and our bartender we were talking to her and you know she was she grew up in the Big Island but it was it it was wild she was saying she said where where I grew up and she was twenty four twenty five I think um mm-hmm. and she said where where I where I grew up, we didn't have electricity or running water. Wow. You know, yeah. so for her then like getting away to Honolulu and, you know, living, you know, over there in like the big city. Yep. And she was like, it's just, it's a it's crazy. completely yeah. different world, you know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, really wild. Have you ever thought about going back? Um, this past um, uh, Christmas, we went back home. Okay. Uh, the whole, uh, we, the whole family went. Mm. It was uh, we went for a celebration. For yeah. My sister, she passed during COVID. Oh wow! So they couldn't do anything. So they wanted to do a big party. Yeah. And so we went back and we rented a beach house in Honolulu, and um, all fourteen of us, my family, my <laughs> grandkids, and I, you know, always thought about going back. Well, when my parents passed, you know, they was going to give us the house, mm. but. Um, Looking at the education up there, yeah, it's not that good, mm. you know. So, and then I just wanted my girls to have a better education, yeah, and more opportunities. Like you know, up here there's dance, there's ballet, yeah, there's theater and stuff. In Hawaii, there wasn't mm-hmm. uh, that much gotcha. offered. Yeah, 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 wild. So, uh, so when you and now what? So, what year was it that you opened? You told me already, but I forgot. What year did you? Open we the opened uh, two thousand and fifteen. 2015. Yeah. Okay. And what was the first, what were the first spirits that you started to distill? So the first spirit that we did was um, a maple, mm. a maple spirit. It's made out of maple syrup. Huh. And so I wanted to do that because I, that was unique mm. and not making a rum or anything. So I started making that. Um, there's nobody in the area made it. Okay. Because uh, it's maple syrup is not cheap. Yeah, you know. So when I when I fermented it, I got it. And I made the spirit run. I said, "Wow, this tastes like tequila." Mm. You know, it's kind of. I wanted it to taste like maple syrup. Yeah, but it was complete different. You know, profile. So um, I brought it to the spirits reviewers, and I said, "What do you think?" And mm. he told me, "This is really good." Mm. So um, I brought it to a mixologist. Uh, uh, the president for the mixology 
in Rochester, and she was telling me that, wow, this is really good. I could play with this stuff, you nice. know. So it was it was good. So that's our first spirit. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I mean, what were, what was your what was it like going from not being in that world at all to then opening up your distillery in 2015? Well, a lot of guys. Um, they think, wow, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do this. This is really cool, <laughs> making whiskey. There's a lot involved. Yeah. So what I tell a lot of the guys that come in, I'll give them the tour and I'll talk to them and mm-hmm. I'll tell them straight. Um, the, fun, the fun part is making this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, The hard part is selling it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to go up against the big industry guys because they, they buy their product in so much bulk. It's, it's cheap for them, cheaper. Yeah. So they can their prices, you know, lower than the craft distillers. Yeah. You know, to produce, you know, whatever. But um the crazy part was you have to have everything in place before you apply for your license. Mm. So you have to have your lease. Oh, yeah. You have to have, you know, permission from the town. Hmm. You have to have all that in place. Then you apply, then background check. If you have any criminal record, hmm. you can't get the license, huh. the liquor license. So you get all that in place first, then you put in your application. Okay. So that's, we took six months, hmm. you know, for the, so if you, you have to pay rent for six months. Yeah. You know, and not open. Hmm. You know, and you can't make any whiskeys, you know, and you, so it it is a gamble, yeah. you know, in the beginning. So it was kind of scary. Because yeah. you're putting, I didn't go to the bank. Because hmm. the bank wouldn't lend money to, somebody with no experience, yeah. you know, from this. So we got equity from the house, hmm. and the wife says, let's do it. Hmm. That's awesome. So, so what's it been like? I mean, you're coming up eight years now, so what's it, what's, uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learned or obstacles that you didn't know you were going to have to face? Don't quit your full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, the first uh, three years, I no money. Yeah. You know, it's just putting money back in the company putting money into barrels, you know, putting whiskey away. And the first, so the first three years, we just paid expenses. Hmm. And it was tough. There's a lot of people, unless you have a boatload of money, mm-hmm. you know, to live yeah. and then give yourself a salary or whatever, it's, it's really tough. Hmm. Um, so that's my advice to if anybody want to start. Yeah. Um, then you do. You got to do your research. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to do uh, have your recipes ready. So it it is it is a lot of you. You have to do a lot of research, a lot of background, and then you just got to have grit because hmm. you know you have to make stuff and put it away, and then sell your product, knock on doors. Yeah. Um, they said, oh, a lot of people support local, which is nice. You know, people do. Yeah. But um, but if your stuff is you know doesn't sell mm. you know it's really tough yeah. yeah so when you first got started i mean did you did you have those recipes down did you kind of know have an idea of what you were doing or was it kind of like just jumping into it and see what was going to happen well i'm not going to say that i practice <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but what happened was um we i had experience with fermentation i had experience with beer yeah uh so with beer you control your flavor profile by the yeast strain mm-hmm. you use with distillation is how you get your flavor profile with the recipe you have, mm-hmm. but also how you control your still. Ah. You know, how much you pull, how much you not pull. Yeah. You know, so that's that's very important. 
Um, my friend was helping me out. I call him up, a lot of questions. The guy that does my reviews, he's a boatload of information. So I ask questions. And, you know, like a student learning. And I experimented um, when we first started. Mm. I made the maple. So I, there's nobody to compare. So I said, good, this is good. <laughs> and then I made a vodka. I made a European-style vodka. Huh. So old school, got nice, nice flavor um, to it. It's natural. Um, and then I made a lightning whiskey. Mm. It's an unaged bourbon. Okay. So basically, it's the base goes into the barrel. Yeah. And we sold those. I Those three, I submitted to competitions. Hmm. And right away, we started winning competitions. So wow. it was good, you know. Yeah. That was a start. Yeah, it's got to be hard. I mean, I think of, you know, Nick Pascal and I were talking about this, the the newer distilleries that pop up, like especially the bigger ones, not talking about local ones. Like, yeah. You know, but the bigger ones, like so many of them are buying their juice from... Um, is it MPG? Yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, so so many of them buy it from that from them because it is a process. I mean, if you're going to get into, you know, an aged bourbon and that's going to be your first product, and you're going to try and make money, and you're going to, you know, make it yourself, you're going to be waiting, you know, three, four, five years. Yes, right. You know, so that's a long time to go fronting a lot of bills before you can sell your first bottle. So my equipment company that I I, I work with. Um, they told me, well, you increase your, you can increase your volume by buying grain neutral spirits. Mm. You know, put them, add water to it, put flavor to it, and then sell it cheap. Yeah, because it's cheaper yeah. per gallon. Um, for me, it's like three times more the cost because I buy local. But you forget I'm a chef. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's kind of like you take pride in what you do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to buy a pre-made meal and then put them on your plate. Yeah, you're going to do the meal, even though it what it costs. And so I've been um, in the beginning. I was wrestling because I could buy this product and I could put them in a bottle. Mm-hmm. I could sell it right away. Hmm. I said, no, I'm going to just do it the way I do. Yeah. You know, and then stuck with my guns, and it's been paying off hmm. um, because a lot of the MPG stuff is it's okay, mm-hmm. but it's not really good bourbon. Yeah. So, um, but it's kind of like, you know, dad always say uh, quality is your first ingredients. Mm. But if you do something, do it the best that you know how, Mm -hmm. and then you can put your signature on it. Mm. So now if you put somebody else's bottle, can I put my signature on it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. So, all right. So what's that like back in 2015, like getting started and, you know, were you jumping into retail in the beginning, or were you trying to push for wholesale? So when we first started, <laughs> I was a bottle washer. Okay. I was a truck driver. Yeah. I was a delivery guy. <laughs> I was a salesman, and I was a distiller. Yeah. Um, I was the the distillery owned me, <laughs> you know, so I was not the owner. But what what happened was, um, it was tough knocking on doors. You won't knock on a liquor okay. store. Hey, can you buy my? You know, we're local. Uh, come back tomorrow. Mm. You know, we go back again. Oh, come back next week. I, mm. You know, so I one day I said, you know what? I know you're busy, and I'm very busy also. Yeah. You know, if if you if you really want to carry my product, give me a phone call. I gave him my business card, and if not, um, thank you very much mm-hmm. because I don't want to waste your time, yeah. and you don't want to waste mine. So once I got that mindset. 
I says, you know what? I'm just going to sell to the people that is going to help me or promote me or, or back me up. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a few liquor stores that we have. We, we're, we're not in a boatload of liquor stores yet, but we haven't knocked on the doors yet because mm-hmm. we just wanted to build our name. Yeah. So that was our main focus, to build our name. I think right now our name is out there. So now I'm going to start knocking on doors. Now when I'm retiring from the university, yeah, I can have more time to go and um, call on customers. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, tell me a little bit. I mean, you were, I know that you were on a TV show and that you won, you won that prize, you won yes. that award, right? Yes. So master distiller. So, I mean, can you kind of talk me through that and walk me through that process? Yeah. So what, what happened was um, the guy that does my reviews, he, he got that um, invite, okay. and then he called me and he said, "Hey, um, you got to go on this show." I said, "What is it?" He sent me the 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 email and everything, and I says, um, "Okay," because hmm. <laughs> I seen it on TV. Yeah, and then so it was, I, what was it, Master Distiller? Master Distiller, yes, okay. um, part of the Moonshiners on Discovery. So what I did was. Um, uh, you did the application process, and then because what was crazy is like thirty five to four thousand people, hmm. thirty five hundred to four thousand people apply for the show. Wow! So what I did was um, I put in an application, and then they go through the process, and they a couple of weeks later I got a call. Hmm. It says, "Do you want to be in Master Stiller?" I says, "Okay, there's this process." So then you have to do a background check. Mm-hmm. And then we have to do a, um, not a pod, not a podcast, but we had to go oh, uh, like Skype, a, you know, like yeah. you know, talk and uh, like do an interview, pre-interview. And the girl was coaching me on the pre-interview. She was saying, okay, you got to do this and you got to do this. And so it was kind of funny that she was guiding me through, yeah. uh, through the interview. And then, um, and then I got a call back. Hmm. I got a call back to you're going to be on Master Distiller. But I teach at the university. <laughs> and when I was supposed to go to Tennessee was the first week in classes. Oh, wow. So, and during COVID, you know, we had to quarantine for two weeks after mm. when we get back. And I couldn't miss three weeks of school. You know, one week there I could have gone, but not three weeks. And Is that so, what they do? They film it all in one week? Uh, Ten days. Okay. So what I did was, uh, no, one week I could allow to get away from not being yeah. at school, but three weeks I would have been toast, you know. So that night, walking into the first day of class, <laughs> I called the producer. I said, I cannot make it. Mm. I cannot because I can't quarantine, Yeah, you know, for that long. I, I says, I, I got to turn this down. I walk in class, I says, because of you guys, <laughs> I'm not going on the show. <laughs> but, um, but you know what? Um, I put my head down. I said, "You know what? That's okay. You know, I'm not if if it's meant to be, I'm going to be invited again." Hmm. And about a couple months later, I was at the shop, and my the personal phone rang, and I answered last shot distillery. I says, "Excuse me," and uh, the producer says, "Hey, I'm from Magler TV. Would you like to be on Master Distiller?" I hmm. says, "Yep, I'm coming." <laughs> you know, so it was a. Uh, um, they wanted me because you know I was a professor, I was a chef, you know, so yeah. a teacher, and so they wanted somebody like that to be on the show. That's yep. awesome. Yep. 
So what was that process like? So you're there for 10 days filming in Tennessee? Yes. Um, one of my uh, one of the guys that won season one, uh, Peter Cheney. Okay. He was there. So I called him up and just asked questions what you know what to expect and what they were doing. And first first thing he told me, buy five pairs of clothes. Hmm. You know, five pairs of shirt, oh, yeah. five pairs of pants, because every day you're in a hotel. Hmm. So every day, you know, you're changing new clothes, you don't have to wash and whatever. I said, thank you so much. They're great <laughs> advice. And then, um, so we talked, you know, back and forth. And then uh, I, all my ingredients, they, tell, they told me, pre-told me what I was going to make. Okay. Um, it was Whiskey of the World competition. And so because my grandparents was from Okinawa, Japan, mm-hmm. um, I made Okinawa, I made American, I mean, Japanese whiskey. Hmm. And then the girl, Lorna, from, her family's from Scotland, mm. so she made scotch. Mm. And um, Kentucky bourbon was the, the moonshiner, is from that area. Mm. So he made um, bourbon. Mm. And um, so that was our assignment. So what I did was I experimented. I made a batch at the shop, mm-hmm. you know, and then I shipped all my ingredients over okay. to Tennessee. Yep. Huh. That's wild. So you bring your own ingredients and then you're there, and then you have to. So, how does it work? And I, I, I watch a show, but how does it work? You have to make it in during those ten days. Yes. Okay. So what you what you do is you cook your mash. Okay. You cook your recipe, like making your beer. Then you strain it. Then you put your yeast in, and you let it ferment for seven days, five days. Okay. So after the five days, you would strip the whiskey out. Mm. You know they call it the first run um, low wines. Um, usually we don't, I make that, but we don't drink that. Yeah. We distilled the second time. Yeah. Um, so we had to present a bottle Mm. and then the winner of that challenge, which I've won that challenge, um, get first pick of parts, steel parts. Okay. And then you given so much, so much time, you got to go pick all your parts together. Yeah. And then, um, and then Lorna took second. So she went and Curtis took third. So then we competed again mm. for a higher proof um, unaged whiskey. Mm. So at that point, um, I won again. Mm. So with the flavor profile and everything. And then the, then one person got eliminated mm. from that. So the next, kind of like chopped. Yeah. And then the next person, uh, the next day, um, you bring your own oak or whatever for, you had to do a rapid aging. So we did that. We got the whiskey aged, and then I had to blend mm. all my bottles together. So I, I oaked um, three bottles, huh. you know, of of the distillate where I want because one area has higher proof, one area has good flavor, and one you know one is in the heart area, mm. then the toward the tail section is really full flavor. Huh. So we we had to blend and then submit the bottle. Wow! And then I won that. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that mean for, you know, your business? I mean, that's got to be, that's, that, and to me, that's this massive, 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 uh, not just like marketing thing platform that you can now stand on, but it's a huge deal. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you know, stamp of approval, like this is the guy. Yeah. So it's, you know, it didn't really sink in. Uh-huh. So after a while, and then they say, wow, that was national TV. 
Yeah. You know, it's not like a local TV right. competition. <laughs> it's huge. I said, wow, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, at first was, you know, like it's moonshiners on Master Distiller, that type of whiskey is really popular down south. Yeah. You know, if, if we had our distillery down south, we our doors would be, you know, we would be crushed every weekend. Yeah. Um, but for up here, there's not that many. Well, there is whiskey drinkers and everything, but um, I, every week, you know, we're at the regional market. Yeah. And we're at other places, you know, selling our products and doing tastings. You know, this, oh, yeah, I saw this on Master Distiller. Yeah. So there's people that are watching, right. but not as much as in, in, if you're in Kentucky yeah. or Tennessee. But um, we, we, our business really increased, yeah. you know, with, with the show. Yeah, um, people come in, hey, I, I seen this, and where's that whiskey you made that you want on the show? So uh, we did make it. Hmm. And then, um, but it was really nice. But what's really cool that, you know, customers say, can I take a picture with you? Hmm. Or can I do that? As I'm like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I'm not used to, you yeah. know, that. But it's, uh, but it's really cool that, you know, your customer becomes your fan base and your customer becomes your salespeople. Yeah. So a lot of my customers is the ones that push my whiskey for me. Yeah. So which is nice. You yeah, know, it's kind of like a family. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you brought some whiskey with you. Yes, I did. You want to try some? Yeah. Um, actually, we have a bourbon here. Okay. This is four years old. Oh, wow. When we were two years, when we first started, we, we started with smaller barrels. Okay. And the smaller barrels age really quick because there's more surface area. Ah. But it's not that good whiskey. Ah, okay. So we, you know, we had good reviews, mm-hmm. but we weren't... Um, winning gold medals okay so when we got into the bigger barrels we started aging it longer mm-hmm. when it was my big barrels at two years old mm. we started winning gold medals mm. uh well actually wait let me take that back when it was two years old we were winning silver medals okay. and, we, and i compete in international competitions okay i try not to compete local yeah um, is there a local, like I think, of- there's some, there's some, you know, like the state fair and all, oh, you know, okay, other yeah. locations, but you don't know what kind of judges you're going to get. Yeah. So I, I compete with other competitions in the culinary world. Yeah. And I've learned, um, best to go with the big competitions. Yeah. Yep. I think of like, there's the New York, like I do a lot of work with craft beer. And so there's the New York State Craft Beer Brewers Association, yes. which is huge. Uh-huh. And, you know, they just had their big conference and they do their big judging panel yes. where they've got 90 judges that are industry leaders and experts and stuff right. like that. Is there something like that in New York State for distilling? There's a um, Razor Glass Foundation in okay. in Rochester. Yeah. And that's New York International. Okay. And there, I, I, I won gold medals there. Wow. Um, I've been um, submitting mine in uh, uh, Barley Corn Award okay. there in Texas. I've been submitting in Seattle International. Hmm. You know, a lot of that New York International, New York, um, because uh, I wanted to send it outside. Yeah. So people won't know Last Shot Distillery. All right. And I wanted to uh, get a really true um, evaluation on yeah. my whiskey. That's awesome. So, um, 
So this right here uh, is four years old. Okay. So our recipe on this, what we targeted, because when I was telling you, I stopped drinking for a while. Yeah, right. So because I overdid it when I was younger, I had my, one of my chef friends. Mm -hmm. So I take this serious. Yeah. One of my chef friends, um, my mentor, knew I was drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. And what, because I was a pastry chef, I would shake when I decorate mm. because I drank too much. Yeah. And he grabbed my hand one day and he told me, you want to become a good chef? Mm. I says, yeah. So he cut that out. Mm. You're drinking too much. Mm. So I stopped drinking wow. completely because I wanted to enhance my career. Um, it was tough doing it, but I just cold turkey and I just quit wow. uh, drinking. And um, so for years, I haven't been drinking. And what we drank when we were younger wasn't good quality stuff. You know, it wasn't the top shelf uh, whiskey. So I had some, uh, my, my son-in-law and my, my, um, my daughter's friends, they were Keystone beer drinkers when high school. And I was the DD for all the, the kids in the area. Yeah. You know, I said, don't get in the car. Yeah. If you need a ride, you call me, wake me up, I'll pick you up and I'll bring you home. And I, I did that because I know they were going out. And, you know, so I said, don't get in the car. Yeah. And I'll pick you up. Mm. And um, so now they're executives. Now they're, you know, they're collectors of whiskey. Mm. Um, he came over and he says, I have a bag of um, whiskey. You want to see? I heard you making whiskey. Mm. I said, yeah. So he brought out all the expensive Eagle Rare, mm. 18 stag mm. you know all 15 18 years old yeah uh four roses you know really expensive um he had a peppy 15 mm. he had a peppy two peppy well, and he had a peppy 23 mm. and right there so i was tasting everything and he had well a reserve mm. and so i tasted all and i says so i pushed away this one i pushed away i didn't like this i didn't like this the weller i like yeah you know but the 23 I said, wow, by the time this is ready, I'll be gone in life. <laughs> you know, so I, no, I don't think this is reachable. Yeah. So, but the Weller was. Uh, so I researched the recipe. Hmm. I researched the recipe, researched the mash. And after the fifth or sixth book, you would get kind of more or less the recipe, what they use, because they do reveal some things, yeah. but they don't reveal the yeast strain. Guess who worked with yeast all his life? <laughs> so, you know, and making beer also. So I blended my yeast. I got everything because mm. I wanted this certain profile. Mm. And then I um, made the first batch. I didn't tell nobody. Wow. The reviewers came, and with the young barrel of bourbon that I made, he tasted it, and he, he, you know, he rubbed his hands. He put the whiskey in his hands, and he would smell everything. He would taste it. And he's telling me what my mash is by tasting and smelling and rubbing his hands and everything. And then when he came to the point of the final, he told me, this tastes like a young version of Weller. Mm. I said, wow. That's wild. That was the recipe I'd chosen. And that's this. Yep, right here. And so this is actually, uh, we just got this reviewed. Um, and... Uh, they said this is kind of like a spring bourbon. I said, "What you mean?" So when I, um, it's a weeded type bourbon. Yeah. 
So when you taste it, 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 this is 84 proof, and it hangs on your palate. And what they were saying is it's kind of like a ninja. It stays all over your profile and your, and your taste profile. Wow. Yeah, this is uh, – I, so I, I prefer uh, lighter proof. I yeah. feel like I can taste more. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to jump to 100 – like we were with the guys that were just here before you um, – we, we were jumping right into like Blue Note, which is like 116 proof or something. I prefer a, a lighter proof right. because I can taste more of it. You know, maybe I can build up to a higher proof, right. but I prefer a lighter proof. And I'm Weller, like I've got over there Weller 12 year and Weller Reserve on the bar. And those are two of my more favorite. I like kind of right. those, the weeded, the weeded the yeah. a little bit of the sweeter, not overly sweet, mm-hmm. not like punch in the face with caramel and vanilla, but I like a little bit of a sweeter and lighter bourbon. Um, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. So this right here, you notice it, it hangs on your palate after you drink it. It stays yeah. there. So it's full viscosity. Yeah. So, yeah. So this, we're really proud with this one right here. The reason why, you know, the, the reviewers tell me submitted at 105 or submitted at, you know, mm. 92. Most of my drinkers are not used to drinking that high proof. Yeah. So, Figuring out what my customer base, what my customers would appreciate. Yeah. So we 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 went down to eighty four. I don't want to go down to eighty. Yeah. Because then that way you just you lose it. You lose it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So, yeah. Yeah, this is really good. Thank you. Um. Hmm. Shoot, what was I just gonna ask you? I was gonna ask you something that was on my mind the entire time I was drinking that, and I forget what it was. <laughs> See um, what happens? The thing. Well, <laughs> Yeah, that's what happens. I started drinking bourbon at 9 a.m. this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I've always been fascinated about is uh, I, I, I watched a documentary on bourbon making, and it was, I don't know if it was funded by Buffalo Trace or, mm-hmm. or not, but uh, but it featured the Buffalo Trace distillery quite a bit. And their current master distiller, I forget his name, but one of the things he was talking about was a, a distiller is only going to see one, if they're lucky, maybe two, full expressions of their bourbon in their lifetime. You know, like you were talking right. about with the 23 year. Yeah. Like you're not going to be around to see that. And that's something that's really fascinated me. Like I live in a production world. So mm-hmm. like this podcast, if I wanted to, you know, we could record it. I could yep. edit it. It could be out it. tonight. Yep. yep. You know, it could be, I could have it posted this evening and then it's done. But for bourbon making and aging spirits, you are, I mean, you're sitting with it there for however long it's going to last. Right. If you've got a 12-year, it's 12 years 12 before years, you get yes. to see what happened to it. Mm-hmm. That, to me, blows my mind. you got to have faith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're putting it away. Yeah. And then hoping the barrel will do the work yeah. in your environment, in the area. So what? going back to what my dad said about quality should be your first ingredients, I buy my grains from a grain, um, seed farmer. Okay. So they are more precise in your grains. Mm. So I know some distilleries, um, I'm not going to mention, but I know some distilleries, they bought grain from a big farmer, mm. producer, and went to the maltster. Okay. After a few years, um, one of my friend's uh, whiskey is has that problem. Mm. You could taste a little mold to mm. it, you know, from the corn being in the dryer or... Mm. Or being, you know, molded, you know, before. Yeah. And no matter what you do, 
or how long you age it. Yeah. You're going to get that funny taste to it. That's wild. Yeah. So it's kind of like I, when I, because being a chef too, when I'm cooking my mash and I'm looking at the mash, you know, and I taste it. Yeah. And then even when I get, after we ferment and when we get everything going, I kind of feel it and taste it. Yeah. And then one day my um, grain guy, I looked at the mash. I said, wow, this is different. Hmm. So I called him up. I say, you did you switch my corn? <laughs> and he said that, uh, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot to tell you. That's from this year's batch, not last year's batch, mm. you know, on the corn. Yeah. So I picked up on that because of, you know, being a chef and you know, seeing the density of the flour and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's wild. Huh. Makes a difference. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um. Hmm. So what do you think is like, uh, you know, now that you're going to be spending more time focused on this, I'd imagine, right, here in the next few months. Yep. So what's your focus, do you think, for the distillery and for the product going forward? Is it going to be more retail is it, or is it going to be more trying to get it out there wholesale and distribution? So right now, um, <laughs> the funny part is I told my wife I want to play golf. <laughs> I played golf once last year, you know, and fishing twice with the grandkids. I think I want to do a little more of that, but I don't think so. But um, production-wise, we've been amping up our production. We okay. we just bought, um, since we started, I bought a 500-gallon mash done, hmm. and we converted that to a stripping still. Hmm. So I just purchased last year another 500-gallon. So wow. right now we can do 1,200 gallons at a time. Wow. Um, and then, but that would be three, three, three barrels a week. Okay. You know, so I did research and, you know, like that documentary that you was watching and stuff. Um, they talked about how there's a whiskey shortage in America. Yeah. And, and in Japan also. Hmm. Like Suntory, um, they're running low on their whiskeys because... Bill Murray went on yeah. and said, drink Suntory. And then ever since then, their whiskey started going off the charts. Yeah. I want to make sure that I have enough whiskey five years down the road. Yeah. Because I did my math and I did everything. And I was looking at my inventory. I said, you know, I bet we better amp up our whiskey production. Yeah. So our target right now is just every every week, We you know, winter, summer, every every week, we're cooking a mash. We're cooking two batches every week, you know. Wow. So we, when we get our new, our new boilers in, you know, equipment, we, um, our goal is to make more whiskey. So just put it away because yeah. we have to age it for four years. Right. That's the my, where I want to be at. Huh. That's but, wild. But um, yes, and then go on the road. Okay. You know, uh, see customers that visit our customers. Um, try to, we try to have one liquor store in, in the area, like Ithaca, we have one, okay. um, one in Rochester, you know, we have Watertown, we have a, um, um, uh, liquor store. So, yeah. you know, one in New Hartford. Yeah. So we just want to go and should, you know, see if we can get more liquor stores okay. that want to be interested in our products. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just couldn't imagine. I, I can't fathom having a business where it's like that, where it's like I've got to think five years down the road, what am I going to do today that's going to be available in five years? You know, because uh, 
yeah, you know, it's just a, it's a wild way of thinking. <laughs> so what I enjoy, what I enjoy with um, everything too is our, you know, our family. I mean, as far as with my employees, yeah, they they become family, and just want to make you know create jobs so that you know. I remember when I first moved up here, I had a bakery. Mm. Um, we had you know invested money to start up a bakery, and. Uh, when one of my workers, um, she lost her job at the company because the company moved out of town. So I hired her. And when I hired her, I remember the day she paid off her mortgage, hmm. you know. And then um, a couple times I was out there and, I, you know, she need, they needed help with their taxes. And, you know, we had some extra money. And my wife and I said, what do you think? I said, I think we can help a little. So we, you know, we would help people out like that, um, but nice to see when other people be successful yeah. besides you. Hmm. So it's it's kind of like a family thing, and um, we base all our our you know business plan and everything on family. So which is nice. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. So you're excited about uh, being done here in a few months and being able to focus a little more time. Uh, this bittersweet. Yeah, I really enjoyed teaching. Yeah, I really enjoyed the students. Um, what's funny is I got emails from students from 2006, 2007. Mm. I guess the word went out. We did did a, a article okay. about me retiring and stuff yeah. from the school, and the alum mm. would be you know emailing me, yeah, telling me thank you. Uh, mm. Their one is a wine. Um, she owns a winery in California. Oh wow! Another, you know, uh, uh, pastry chef uh, now instructor at Johnson and Wales. Mm. You know, a lot of my students um, are they're uh, um, successful now. Yeah, and they're reaching out and saying thank you. You mm. know, so which is nice. Yeah. So it's it's we teach life skills. Yeah. You know that's very important. You know, um, what I was teaching was you know, teaching them how to cook. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a really nice um, thing to do. Yeah. So you shared something, part of you with them for their whole life. So yeah. that, to me, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. I got to teach last semester, last winter for a semester at Casanova uh -huh. and I taught a video production course cool. and, um, and yeah, it was cool. I mean, I just saw a student the other day pop up on social media who's, you know, making videos. So that was kind of nice. cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming out and, and taking time to be on the podcast. Before I. Yeah. Answer, I got one thing. Yeah. Um, this isn't the crack, is it? This is our best seller <laughs> right here. It's chocolate creme brulee bourbon. Jeez. So. <laughs> I put it in this one. We call it Bailey's on steroids. <laughs> This one, so many medals, you know, gold medals, double gold medals, best liqueurs, uh, Wine Enthusiast Magazine, top 100 spirits. Wow. And it's Holy cow. it's crazy. Uh, once you try it, you're walking away with a bottle. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like chocolate milk. Yeah. It's like alcoholic chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. it's really that good. That is amazing. So it's chocolate creme brulee bourbon. So what, because I'm a pastry chef, and what I've done with that is I worked with a Swiss candy maker for two years. Yeah. And, then, you know, I would work, I would stay after work. And then to learn the trade, you're taking a picture of the label. Yeah. 
Or yeah. I'm gonna text it to like Tim at Buried Acorn right now and tell yeah. him to buy some. And then so what I what I um um what I did is I, I learned how to do a profile of chocolate. Okay. And so and being a pastry chef, so with this recipe here I have two types of chocolates. Okay. You know, and then I have two types of vanilla. Hmm. But Madagascar vanilla. Okay. So one's for the nose and one's for the palate. Huh. And same with the chocolate. That's yep. wild. That's unreal. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I always tease customers this is it's good on the rocks. Hmm. It's good with hot cocoa. Yeah. It's good with cold brew coffee. Yeah. You know? And then at la the last comment I said, yeah, it's also great with Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you right. so much, man. I appreciate it. Okay. So awesome. everybody's listening, check out Last Shot Distillery. Out in Skinny Atlas, New York. You can find them online and uh, find them here locally at Pascal's Liquors, right? Yep, Pascal's and uh, Auburn Discount. Okay, cool. And uh, Vine and Barrel. Okay, yep. awesome. Yeah, awesome. Great. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, make sure you head online, find Last Shot Distilling, follow them on Facebook, Instagram, visit their website. You can find them, I believe, every Saturday down at the regional market in Syracuse. And again, great local company, personifies exactly what I've been talking about, a master distiller, constantly getting high ratings, reviews, and awards for the spirits that he is producing and they're located right here in our backyard in Syracuse. So definitely check them out. Uh, make sure you check out our website, eatlocalnewyork.com. You can stay up to date on all the things we have going on and really specifically buy an Eat Local New York card and see all the restaurants that are on the card. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to catch you back here next week for a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast.